One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It is Friday. One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Jam-packed show for you today, which we'll lay out for you in just a second. But there are some roster updates to pass along to you, most of them pretty notable, involving a handful of starting players on Buffalo's roster. First and foremost, the good news, Daquan Jones will be activated for Sunday's game. He is expected to play. The actual transaction has not yet taken place officially, as Bill's practice updates are presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. But Daquan Jones coming off of IR and added to the 53-man roster, which has a roster spot open currently due to the release of backup offensive lineman Jermaine Effetti yesterday. So that will happen in due course here before Sunday's game against the Patriots. And Daquan Jones will take the field with his Bills defensive teammates for the first time since week five. Um, McDermott was also quick to add, I mean, like you and I have been sitting here saying, man, they have missed him inside, and they have. But I I think he's right in saying right after he said he was going to play that we got to manage his expectations. I mean – Daquan Jones isn't, you know, this magic wand that they're going to wave over and everything's going to be fixed. You know, got He's going to be a good player. You'd think he's going to be able to take some reps. I don't know if he's going to come right back, snap one of game one, and play like he has played. But he's a big body. And the thing that got me, too, in this, and Sean McDermott acknowledged it, and we talk about it all the time, and it was confirmed by the head coach today. The game's brutal. It's brutal. And it was a conversation and a a quest for Daquan Jones. They had to find can he get better fast enough to help this season? Will he rehab fast enough to be good? Will he be susceptible to re-injured? And does he want to play? I mean, does the guy want to come back? I mean, because he's making his money. Whatever money he's well, making, right. he's on IR. I mean, they, he gets paid anyway. It's hard. It and it's not a given. It's not a given. And he, we talked to him six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. Yeah, he was, was, he was no, like he, a month away, yeah. a month removed from the injury and the surgery. He and, was like another three weeks like, away from getting out of the sling. Yeah. And he's like, he was like, no, I want to. I'll be I'm back. Coming, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. He wanted to come back and and be a part of the team, and that has been been unwavering. And to this week is going to be that week. I think it's there's so much in people. We read off the transactions and and we talk about it, but. It is an ordeal when you get hurt during the season. I've been through it. All these guys have been. Matt Milano's still going through it. You know, all the guys around the league that you hear about that you don't know, you do know. It is an epic journey, even though it only took like a couple of months for Daquan to get back on the field. I'm like, do you want to come back? Do you, is it worth it to come back? Is it, you know, do you, what are the, you know, how do your teammate, do you love your teammates enough to want to go out there and hurt for him? I mean, because that's what it's got, you're asking him to do. And sure enough, here he is playing one of the most brutal positions in all of professional sports. And he says, I'm in, let's go. Yeah. Um, I think it says something in the locker room. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's been practicing the last two weeks. Yeah. So it's not like he's going in cold turkey here on right. Sunday. He's been practicing the last two weeks. We know that this athletic training staff, generally errs on the side of caution. So they have been patient in bringing him along and getting him back up to 
quote-unquote game shape. I'm sure it'll still be an adjustment when he plays in the game, and they'll probably manage his reps accordingly. So, you know, as I see it, I think he'll get he'll be in the rotation. He'll be playing inside a good deal, and you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, he's making a difference like we have become accustomed to seeing him do in short order. Uh, the timing is good because he's got two ramp up games, hopefully before playoffs for the Bills. Right. So I like he's got to like the fact that he's got two regular season games to really kind of get his feet back under him and play the kind of football we're used to seeing him play. Yeah, it's uh, I. Th- and plus, getting a, a a big body down inside with Ed with uh, Linval, Jordan Phillips is on IR. That's that's a huge gap that he fills back in, and it would be awesome if in a couple of weeks, when he's able or ready, eligible, that Harrison Phil or Jordan Phillips comes back. Um, then you'd have three big dudes down inside to rotate in with Ed, and man, oh man, that. You're you're a playoff team front right there. Oh my goodness! Um, with AJ Epinesa getting healthier and Rousseau and you know all these guys, it's I'm I'm excited about where this could take them if they can continue to stay healthy. Yeah. The other player in a similar situation is Micah Hyde, who head coach Sean McDermott said last hour when he addressed the media is expected to play on Sunday. He's missed the last two games. Uh, so, well, he played in the Kansas City game and then missed the Chargers game and missed the game before that against the Cowboys. So he is expected to return to the lineup this week as well, coming off a neck stinger injury that, unfortunately for him, has been a bit of a recurring problem through the course of the season. But he is expected to suit up and play on Sunday as well which means you know Taylor Rapp would go back to his dime package role at the safety spot after filling in for Micah Hyde each of the last two games. So defense is getting healthier. Uh, the only other update that was provided was Coach McDermott was asked about Matt Milano's playoff chances, you know, the chance of maybe coming back healthy for the playoffs, and Coach McDermott said all indications that he has received is that will be a no-go that Matt Milano will not get back at any point this season. So uh, that's kind of the 411 on that. And then out at practice about an hour ago, it's a really brief period of time that the media is allowed to view practice on Fridays. It's usually just the stretch portion of practice. They don't even watch individual player drills on Fridays. It's very brief. And not seen out there uh, on the practice field, Stefan Diggs during the stretch portion, media viewing portion of practice. So we'll see if that is anything. It's very possible he had to take a bathroom break uh, (laughs) and wasn't out there during the five minutes that the media get to view practice at that point in time. But he was not seen out there um, during the media viewing portion of practice. So we'll try to – we'll obviously get an update when the Friday injury report comes out. And at that point in time, you know, you'll have – an update as to whether he missed a portion of practice and if it changes his right. status for Sunday's game at all. Leonard Fournette also not seen during the media viewing portion of practice. Um, he's on the practice squad, so it's a little bit different. But that's your that's your update on practice. The one other note that I should pass along is Coach McDermott also said that A.J. Epinesa is close to returning, uh, certainly closer than he was each of the last two weeks, 
but remains day to day. So it sounds like it's a wait and see kind of thing, how he gets through today. And then they'll probably try to make some assessments as to what his availability should be concerning Sunday's game against the Patriots. Yeah, I think it's got to be at best. You're thinking it's a game day decision. Maybe he goes out, works out, tries it out, and then maybe he goes. Um, I don't know. I I think he's trending down. Not trending down. He's trending up, but I don't think it's fast enough to make this game. Um, it doesn't sound like. We'll see. Um, we'll see. I'm. It, it's interesting to me, though. This is – this is where this team was a couple of years ago where they were crescendoing at the right time. They're getting healthier. Certainly they've lost a cut, you know, guys for the entire season. They lost Tredavious and they lost Matt Milano, uh, but they're getting Daquan back. Jordan Phillips will probably be back at some point. I'm thinking if they can make the season last long enough, AJ Epinesa is getting back on the field. Um, I believe unlike a lot of people, I believe Vaughn is crescendoing and getting back on top of his game. Um, and Ed is still playing at a high level. So I, I think this is a team that is on the cusp of really doing something on that side of the ball um, in the coming weeks. It would be cool to see. But I do think they're trending in the right direction and actually right at the right time too. So we'll see if it continues. I, I said it before, it's five games in a row to get in the playoffs is really hard to do. 2-0 with what they have left isn't, isn't so daunting. Mm-hmm. The Patriots have some injury concerns as well. Um, I'll just briefly run down the the major players to pass along to you. Um, So basically, Ezekiel Elliott, who has basically taken over as the feature back in New England's offense, did not practice yesterday due to illness. So those are typically one-day deals, and then the guy is usually back the next day. have not seen an update as to whether or not he is practicing with the Patriots today, but obviously we'll get an update when their Friday injury report comes out. Trent Brown, their left tackle, has had an illness, and he has missed, he missed Wednesday and Thursday practice. So maybe a stomach bug is going through that Patriots locker yeah. room a little bit. Jalen Mills, Jabril Peppers, two of the three safeties who start on the Patriots' defense, neither practiced Wednesday or Thursday, but both are out there practicing today, according to a report from ESPN Patriots reporter Mike Reese. He said they're both out there at practice. The level of their participation will obviously know once we get the Friday injury report on that. Juju Smith-Schuster, receiver dealing with an ankle injury, he was limited on Wednesday and then did not practice on Thursday, so he looked to be trending in the wrong direction. Uh, for the Patriots. So just some names to keep an eye on here as we get closer to the end of the week on the Patriots side of things as well. So those are your practice updates uh, presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Also want to remind you that this week's game sponsor, hold on, let me pull it up here. I scrolled away from it, against the Patriots, is presented by Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. So Ticketmaster is this week's game sponsor. So uh, thanks to them. So I don't know, Steve, like you look at all of this, the Patriots have changed dramatically, and we'll obviously talk to Greg Cosell about this a little bit later on in hour number two when he joins us on the show, as he does every Friday. I, I guess it, I'm not saying it makes them a different opponent 
because I don't think it's really changed the philosophy of what they're trying to do on offense, per se, with Bailey Zappi in there and no Ramondre Stevenson, but you still have you know, a good size back in Ezekiel Elliott who can carry out the same kinds of plays, that kind of thing. The receiving core has changed for them. Um, I don't know. There's a lot that's different. Even their offensive tackles could be different this week right. on both edges based on injury availability with Trent Brown, you know, suffering from an illness. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think right. of this Patriots team. Their defense remains good. We know that. Their safeties are a little nicked up, and they're an important part of their defensive scheme. But offensively, there are a lot of new faces and new names at the skill positions and, and an offensive tackle. Yeah, and and we had Dalton Kincaid in here early in the week, and I think he's he hit around the money. I think it's the right the right message from the coaching staff here. It's about it's about the for the Bills. It's about themselves. You can't worry about who they're playing, who they might not play. The Patriots are going to come out, and they're going to be very difficult to move the football on. They're going to be ahead of the game in knowing what you're going to do, what your rules are, where you have to go. Um, they have the great ability as a defensive scheme, a defensive team, like to get the offense. The harder the offense plays, and the more they kind of treat this, the worse it gets for them because they play right into the scheme of the Patriots, and mm-hmm. um, they're really good at that. And that's always been why they're such a tough team to beat, with or without Tom Brady. And uh, once in a while, the Bills get on them and beat them pretty good. I mean, they've they've had some good success against them, but that's why they're hard to beat. They they invite you to do what you do best, and then s- snap it off. You know, you can't you can't do it. You can't get it done. Um, whether they've got Tommy Schmegmahoyten playing or whether they got Christian Barmore playing, they're going to be a tough out. A tough out. Yeah. I uh, hope they have Tommy Schmegmahoyton instead of Christian Barmore, but I'm kind of doubt I wouldn't will. bank on it. Yeah, I'm not banking on that. As we said, we've got a full show for you today. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll catch up with NFL on CBS play-by-play man Kevin Harlan, who will be calling the game for CBS on Sunday, Bills Patriots. So look forward to catching up with him. Second hour of the show, as we mentioned, We've got Greg Cosell joining us. We'll break down some more of the X's and O's between the Bills and Patriots here. And then at 2.30, our legend of the game for Sunday's Bills-Patriots matchup, Lorenzo Alexander in studio. It's like we're getting the nice. low. It's like we're getting the lowdown all lowdown. over again. Remember the, that was back. Remember in those the day. days? The lowdown on yeah. Fridays. Those were the days. Yeah. So uh, Lorenzo will be joining us here. Uh, in the final half hour of the program, about an hour and 15 minutes from now. So look forward to that conversation as well. And uh, as always, it's the OBL Friday Fan Mailbag, where we're answering your most pressing Bills and NFL questions. So we'll do that throughout the course of the show. But with this full lineup, please bear with us and try to be patient. We're we're, we're really chock full of nuts here today. Yeah, we got um, a lot going on. No offense to our guests. Uh And so we have all that going on. We also have tailgate Friday. So, hey, last home tailgate of the regular season Mm -hmm. this Sunday. Fortunately, it's supposed to be dry. It's been raining most of the week. Fortunately, it's supposed to be dry. What is on your tailgate menu for Sunday? You can let us know on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live, and we'll read some of the more interesting recipes you've got cooked up for Sunday's game. So if you got a good one, 
Feel free to share it with us. We're always open to uh, any new food tailgate ideas for your tailgate. Uh, as we said, last home regular season tailgate of the season. As we know, Bill's on the road in Miami next week. Uh, not that there won't be a ton of Bill's fans at that game tailgating because yeah. uh, they turn out in droves down yeah, there in South Florida. And it's going to be interesting. The Bills, you know, Bill, Bills fans are obviously going to watch this Patriot game against the Bills, but that Baltimore-Miami game is going to be <laughs> really interesting. Don't you think, Brownie? Yeah. I'm going to watch that. Oh, my gosh. It's at the same time. I know. It's at the my, same time. I have my ways. I have that oh, I – I didn't. I don't doubt for a second that you, you have your. Ways. You can't watch. You'll be a little busy. You're going to be calling play, but I'm going to be back in the back of the booth with my little thing watching it. Have <laughs> your little device. My device of choice, <laughs> and that, <clears throat> yeah, that is that's an enormous. And I love this time of year too. It's fun because you kind of we haven't talked about it, but man, so much going on with the tight races in the in the playoffs and getting in and seeding and. It is so nice to be involved in this after so many years of not being. Yeah. Let's get to another item on the docket today. And we're doing this a little early because we are so crowded with guests coming in. It is time for Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, presented by Total Sports Enterprises, an official sports memorabilia partner of the Buffalo Bills. We solicited fans to submit their questions or their requests for a story from the Wall of Famer, Steve Tasker. Winners selected at random will receive a premium mystery box of signed items. Could be a Bruce Smith signed photo, Stefan Diggs signed jersey, maybe even a Jim Kelly replica helmet signed. Rules do apply. Visit buffalobills.com slash T-S-E Tasker. And this week's winner is Danielle, who asks, after you retired from football and took a breather, what did you want to do? You seem so comfortable in front of the camera. Was this going to be your thing all along? How did it all come about? Oh, look at that photo. Yeah. CBS well, that's parka. Back in the day, yeah. Um, I think I still have that parka. But the, uh, I started on radio. I was on radio, like, like now, uh, we're on radio. I was on radio freshman in college. Uh, KINF FM Dodge City, Kansas at my community college. Wow. And... Uh, I don't even think it's KINF anymore. We're anyway. spinning your favorite tunes here <laughs> right. on KINF. So me and Dodge buddy, we City's were on, best. and I wanted to do it. And so when then you know my went to Northwestern and um, graduated good, with a good journalism school. Went went to a, uh, got a communications degree out of there, but then you know got drafted. So I started playing, and I was in Houston for like a year and a half. Came to Buffalo and played here, and after my first Pro Bowl season, I think. It was either that or after this, the next the next one. I went to two, four, and seven, and here's you know it was like Ed Kilgore, Van Miller, and Rick Azar were the three guys, right? We all remember those. The people of a certain vintage will remember back in those days, oh, yeah. right? Keith Radford was there still at Channel Seven. So, and Rick Azar was the most enthusiastic. I said, I just want to come in and and intern. I, I just want to come in and help out. I want to do it in the off season, a couple of times a week. I mean, I got a wife and kids. I'll come in. You have to pay me. I'll and I tell kids now, if you want to get a job in the broadcast industry, work for free. Work for free. Now it was easy for me because I was making a pile Back of cash. Then you right? Could do that. I was making a pile of cash. Right. So I didn't need it, and I had an off season to be available. So I, you know, I said do it. So I came in and did it a couple times a week. I was running scripts around and. 
you know, writing down, like I'd log, we had tape, it was all tape then, it wasn't digital. And I would write down, okay, Michael Jordan, slam dunk at 22, 23 of this tape. Yeah, you're logging you know, tape. I'm logging tape so the guy can go down and say, okay, I need a Michael Jordan slam dunk. Here's one. Uh, that kind of stuff. I was doing, like, just grunt work, you know, just the nuts and bolts. So then I, I did that for the entire offseason. Came back the next year and said, hey, can I do that again? And they go, then they looked at me and they go, oh, you're serious. And I go, well, yeah. So that was that. And then – I, so I came back, and then they made a switch in AM Buffalo. Linda Pellegrino came in, and, and they af- offered me a chance to come in every mo- Monday and be on the show. I said, listen, if we go 2-14, and 14, I don't want to come in on Mondays. And they go, well, we'll be, it'll be easy. It'll be light and fluff, you know, be great, easy. Because it was just after the 1989 season where we were the bickering Bills. Mm. I said, I don't, need to, I don't need to deal with those kind of topics on your show if I come in Mondays. They go, no, no, we'll keep it nice and light. And, of course, it was 1990, and we... Yeah, we go to the Super Bowl. Good timing. The next year, I had my own show, and was also a special. And so I, I did it, and word got out when I finished. I screen tested for CBS in 1998. A month after I finished my career, three weeks later, they offered me a spot, and I worked there with CBS for 21 years. Yeah. And now I, I'm escalated. Now I'm at one bills lot li- more alive. <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't know about escalated. That's so nice of you to say. I've elevated my game. I think you're just buttering all of us up. Yeah. Um, when you were interning. At seven, were was the end goal network calling games on network? No, it was just I didn't know. I thought it might go to ESPN. Like post career, I'm right? Talking. Yes, post career. It was like I, I didn't know. I would do. I would have done anything. Okay. Uh, I was I was completely an open book. I'd be an analyst. I'd be a you know a panelist. What like you know studio panelist? Right, yeah. studio panelist. I'd be do games or whatever. Anything they needed. I just didn't know what I was going to do. Because I hadn't really done anything. Right. So I, um, I did a screen test for CBS. CBS, a week or two later, offered me a position. Word of that got out. And then ESPN had me in to audition for them. Well, I went straight from the Masters golf tournament, because I was watching it with but at like 4 a.m., had to buy a suit in a store in, in uh, Augusta, Augusta, Georgia. So I had something to wear. I go to ESPN and I and I was like I was half hard I half hearted it. They said thanks for stopping by. I was like fine. I'm. It doesn't matter. I already accepted the CBS thing anyway. Thanks. You know. So um, that was all I did at CB, at ESPN, and I I was with CBS for 21 years. Hmm. So and I, let me say something. The CBS was off the charts. Awesome. Yeah. Great company. Great people. Great job. It was great. Yeah, I know. When they Loved come into it. town, they're always looking for you. You know, I you must have made a good impression. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I kind of, and t- the truth be told, I kind of aged. I kind of aged out of the job. You know, I got to be almost sixty, and you know, there's always young guy. You know, that's yeah, the thing yeah. with that. You know, there's always you know Peyton Manning's always retired, and then it was, um, it could have you know, um, Oliver yeah, Luck we, retired. We know how they like know. the quarterback? Well, yeah, so. and and they're good, and but you know, like, so yeah, they just wanted some younger guys, some more current names in there, and it was time for me to go, and I was. I love those guys. I, I still keep in touch with yeah. yeah executives and all of that stuff over there. They're great. So that was cool story. I, I did not want to go into coaching. People ask that too. I too many hours. I I've said it a million times. It's not a job coaching. No, it is a lifestyle. Yeah, and I had not only yours, the rest right, of your family. We had lifestyle. five. We had five children. And we would have been hop skipping and jumping around the country at different jobs yeah, and. Um, 
I just decided we would be better off living here in Western New York, where they were born. All the kids were born, and and I we have not regretted it for a moment. Yeah. So. All right. Well, congrats to Danielle. Good question, by the way, too. So she'll get the random mystery box, and uh, can't wait to see what she wins by submitting that question for Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker. We've got a little time here to jump on the phones on this OBL Fan Mailbag Friday, and we lead off with Doug in Elizabethtown. Is this New Jersey, Doug? No, this is uh, Pennsylvania. PA, okay, yeah. Yeah, Central PA. We're in the the taint of the state. Okay. Um, Just want to tell you guys, I've I've really enjoyed the show this year. Uh, New new listener, first-time caller. Oh, thanks. You guys are great. You guys are great. I love it. Steve, you're a great player. Loved you. Um, I want to go back to a rocking chair memory of mine of when I stood on the Bills field when it was the Ralph, I believe. But uh, the the conditions on the field, as far as gameplay goes, the only thing I have to compare it to is playing on a high school field. Um, on the football field itself. Are they all like that from field to field in the NFL or are some flatter? And how much does that play into the game of home field advantage? I know yeah. it's just a crowded field, but I know it's just off throwing angles, kicking angles, all that. Yeah, I think we're losing Doug, you, Doug, here. You, you're kind of you're, fading on the signal, but around. I think we got the general gist of your question. So I'm going to let you loose. Um, because you were breaking up on us. Did you catch? He, but he was the talking about the field conditions. He said he was at the Ralph once when it was right. crowned. Oh, yeah. And he's curious. Rich Stadium. He was curious now if field conditions are generally the same, if crowns still exist in the league. They do not yeah, they because do not the drainage really, systems right. are vastly superior to what they the, once were. The technology is caught up with it. They, they can flatten the field and suck the water out of it uh, from below. And that's that's how they do it now. So no, the field is not crowned. Back when it was Rich Stadium in the seventies, eighties, you um, could see the crown. You like, could from the, even the stands yeah, from the from the, the from the wall. Now, obviously, the the field is thirty feet away from the wall or more. Uh, so if you go over to the to the wall when the field was crowned, you couldn't see. Below the, the kneecaps. Below, the yeah, you couldn't see from the knees or the middle of the thigh down on, when they were on the sideline. On the, the other, other side, side yeah. Because it was a, it was a arc. Uh, and they did that, for obviously, for water drainage. Yeah. Um, and you could see it, too, back in the day when the old turf, when I first got here, it would be wet. It would rain all the time. But then when it dried out, it would dry out from the middle out. Yeah. And it was like the parting of the rest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So you're right. Uh, no, the fields now are virtually all flat. Relatively uniform. They're very flat and uniform. Well, obviously, they're the same measurements and all that, but um, the surface itself is the only thing that's really different from yeah. field to field. There are some fields that mix regular grass with turf. There are obviously all turf surfaces, and there are all grass surfaces. Yeah, I mean, so aside from the material used on the field, dimensions, lack of a crown, they're all the same now. Uh, the drainage systems are vastly superior to what they used to be. Right. Uh, we've got to take a break here because when we come back, joining us is the guy calling the game for the NFL on CBS. We're going to be joined by Kevin Hartland, who'll be calling the Bills-Patriots game with Trent Green and Melanie Collins on CBS next here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and pleased to be joined now by the guy who will be on the call for the NFL on CBS on Sunday for Bills Patriots here in Week 17, along with Trent Green and Melanie Collins. It's veteran play-by-play man Kevin Harlan, kind enough to join us here. Uh, Kevin, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, good to have you with us. Uh, it's an it's an interesting rematch here because you know the Patriots pulled one over on the Bills back in Week Seven. What piques your curiosity the most with this one on Sunday? Well, clearly the Bills are in kind of an unfamiliar position. Usually they've got things wrapped up with the playoff spot and, and now just trying to secure the division. And usually that has been pretty secure by this time. So it's kind of a foreign area they're in right now. But, you know, a lot of teams are kind of going through this. Kansas City is one of them. Um, Cincinnati clearly is. And the Bills, these are three teams that have been perennially the, the top teams in the AFC over the last couple of years. So the Bills have work to do, but boy, the path is pretty clear, isn't it? If they win Sunday against the Pats, if they can beat Miami on Sunday down there next week, they've got the division, a high seed, and they are going in in a very familiar way down the road. Uh, But uh, it's one at a time, clearly. They can't overlook New England, as you say, beat them before. So um, they've got to keep on doing what they've been doing, which is winning and finding a way to win. No team is great. All teams are flawed. And I speak with San Francisco and Baltimore in mind with that. Uh, So the Bills, you know, have a chance to really do something special. They've got momentum. And uh, we'll see if they can continue that against a New England team, which itself feels like they've got some momentum at this stage of the season. And it's interesting, too, because we see this all the time. And it's a week-to-week league, so we're all about – this week, this team's the best team that's ever existed, and next week they can't, they stink, right? So we've seen this. Miami came out of the gates very fast. They, they hung 70 points on Denver. Then they came to Buffalo and, and, and got smacked. And then you, you've got other teams that are putting together strings during the season, and it's hard to keep doing it. Uh, the Niners, they went through a three-game losing streak. Uh, so did other teams. How important do you think it is, and how far, I mean, how good do you have to be to show enough that you can get it together at the end of the season, put together a run. We've seen other teams do it in the past, but how likely is it for a team like Buffalo? they got to win five in a row at the end of the season to get in and then just keep it going for four more games. I mean, that's a big ask. It is, but a team like the Bills are built structurally for it. Some teams are not. Like Kansas City, I don't mean to keep bringing them up, but they're the defending champions. And, uh, and we know how strong they've been, but the Bills did a pretty good job on them earlier this year. I, I would say that, that uh, the things that the boxes that need to be checked for the Bills are checked. Um, you know, if they get Micah back this week, that'll be big, clearly. I think everybody thinks that, you know, Diggs has disappeared, but maybe they've used him in a different way. I would think the Bills' best football is still ahead of them. And listen, in this conference, more so than the NFC, Think of the landmines that are out there. Think about if you're playing a Buffalo or a Kansas City in round two, um, and, and maybe the Chiefs have got to go on the road. Uh, the Bills may have to go on the road, clearly, if they're going to make it all the way to the championship game. I mean, there's just a lot here at play. Even the Bengals could get in there, nose their way in. And, and Baltimore is the one team in the league among the top teams that has not hit that trough. 
Uh, I heard someone the other day talk about, are they peaking too early with that sensational win over San Francisco on Christmas night? I mean, to me, there are so many avenues here for any of these teams uh, to, to find their traction. And, and why not the Bills? Uh, they seem to be gaining that kind of momentum. In fact, of all the teams, Baltimore aside, they have, I, I think right now, as good a shot as any is finding that that sweet spot in terms of, yeah, we are hitting on all cylinders. Everybody is healthy. We're continuing to move um, and, and uh, ascending as opposed to plateauing or trying to keep what we've got. They, to me, you know, I, I think there's nothing more powerful than finding that momentum at this time of year. It's a whole new season. And the Bills seem to be finding whatever it is they've lacked right now. And whether it's the change in coordinator, who knows what it could be. But the message is getting across, and they're performing. Uh, so there's, all teams are flawed. But right now you look for who's kind of got it together at this stage, and the Bills are at the top of that list. Yeah, and Kevin, a month ago, you know, this team was 6-6, six and six, and even though yeah. Josh Allen had been extraordinarily productive, he had been all but written off as an MVP candidate for this league. But if, if this team can clinch a playoff berth, get in, dare I even say win the division, and, you know, kind of pull the rug out from under the Dolphins here right at the end, does he have a chance to climb back into that league MVP conversation? He leads the oh. league in offensive touchdowns. Could he steal it from somebody like a Lamar or even a Christian McCaffrey? Oh, yeah. No, he's right there. You know, I think uh, uh, no particular order. Jackson has done such a wonderful job with Baltimore. But what Josh has done, and he told us just this yesterday, and his teammates and his coach said, Right now, he is playing the best football of his career. Now, I know they're looking at the interceptions, but you know what? This is this is Brett Favre. This this is a modern-day Brett Favre, and you guys have probably heard that, but from a distance, I think people are saying there's going to be good and bad. There's going to be a quarterback who is constantly pressing the boundaries, trying to get to the precipice and figure out how far he can step over it, you know, pushing the envelope. I'd rather have a quarterback like that who's constantly doing these things. You've already mentioned that the combined rushing and passing touchdowns, he is producing. And, and he's right now, I think, in a very comfortable position. Of course, you don't want to see all the interceptions. I think like Favre, it kind of is part and parcel with who you are, what you are, who you are. You know, the, the way he's wired, he is never going to turn down from a challenge. And sometimes it produces something like, ah, oh, you got to hide your eyes. And other times... Most of the time, it produces, how did he make that throw? How did he pull off that play? How did he get so close to the, to the sideline and complete the ball and score? The, like, it's, it's amazing the thing that this guy can do. So, Lamar, because he's been so good throughout the season, even though his numbers don't uh, compare necessarily to what Josh has done, Jalen Hurts at Philadelphia has got to be on that same conversation. Tyreek Hill, especially if he gets over 2,000 yards receiving, uh, McCaffrey, as you mentioned, you know, those are the names right now. I will tell you this, after every Monday night broadcast, I ask Kurt Warner, who's the MVP? Every week it has been a different guy. And I think we're going to go literally to the final snap of the final game of the regular season before anybody has a clear distinction. And even then, it may be a, a five- or four-person race to get it. It's probably going to be about as close a vote as we've seen but Allen, if he can finish the way he's played 
and win these next two games? Absolutely. He, if he's not one, he's 1A. And if he's not one, he's a close number two. And then I think it's a flip of the coin when you look at the top guys. Clearly, he is in that running. Absolutely. If they can beat the Patriots and if they can get that division. And even if they don't get the division but get in, he still is in the conversation. We talked, We started this season, and the AFC just seemed like they were really stacked with quarterbacks. I mean, there was a ton of guys, and now uh, with Deshaun Watson going down, now you got Joe Flacco thrown back into the mix, who's playing at a high level. But you know, Cleveland with Joe, even with Joe Flacco playing well, their backup quarterback, uh, Jacksonville may or may not have a backup quarterback this week. Um, Indianapolis uh, lost their quarterback. Houston lost their quarterback now for the last couple of weeks. Pittsburgh has been vacillating, vacillating from Kenny Pickett to Mason Rudolph to who you know. Uh, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's is down. It's Vegas has made. I mean, they're all yeah. the quarterbacks are all over the place. Now you get into the playoffs, and you're looking at Lamar, Pat, Tua. Josh, Tua. I mean, th- this it's an old. It's a kind of an. I, I may be oversimplifying it, but if your quarterback stayed healthy throughout the entire year. It seems like you filtered to the top of the of the heap. Well, Josh is indestructible, and Lamar is like he's like Gumby, right? Like he can he can bend and twist and go and eat. He's like a nunchuck. He's like eighteen different directions. Like you you you, can't, you know the, the he stayed healthy, and it has paid off for the Ravens. Tua has stayed healthy. Maybe one of the more underreported stories has a special helmet now designed just for quarterbacks to protect those uh, that concussion string that he was going through. He stayed healthy, taking every snap that's mattered, and it has paid off. And look at the team. So all the guys we thought would be there. Now, Mahomes Mahomes has had the worst numbers of his career. Kansas City's clunky. Kansas City, um, they clearly are not what they've been. I, I don't know if it's if it's uh, length of, of drive routines that they've had for four straight years. They've been right to the bitter end. Um, the seasons have been long. But then, you know, Josh has gone through long seasons, and and now Burrow's gone clearly in Cincinnati, but that team has gone through long seasons. There's that men- mental focus thing that I think that mental uh, weight that these perennially good teams carry, that, that it weighs on them. And to have the target on your back like Josh does or Mahomes does or Burrow does or now Tua has every week, Lamar, I mean, that, that wears on you after a while. It is clearly... It is clearly worn on the Chiefs. They're not the same team. They just aren't. But they don't have a Diggs. And it looks like they don't have a Cook. And and uh, and the quarterback for the Bills has been better than the quarterback of the Chiefs. So, yeah, I mean, the quarterbacks are there. But standing upright is huge. Mahomes has not been injured. I mean, he's had the Knicks like all these guys have. But, he, but he's not been injured. Uh, but but you've got to have a quarterback who's, who's in the driver's seat and has got his hands on the wheel uh, you know, 90% of your season if you want to be what you thought you were going to be. And Josh clearly has done that. Um, and Mahomes, I think, has just been kind of soiled, actually, by by what's around him. He's He's been failed by there's a lack of trust. There's been a lot of drops. So the Chiefs aren't there. Burrow is out. And now you've got Tua, who is standing on there. And like we said, it could become a, a Bills versus uh, Miami Dolphins final game of the season for the division title type games with two quarterbacks who have had their hands firmly on the steering wheel all season long. Kevin, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Safe travels here to Buffalo, and we'll see you on Sunday. 
Look forward to it. Happy New Year, guys. Happy holidays. Great to be on with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Thanks, to you as well. That's Kevin Harlan. Going to be calling the game for the NFL on CBS. Sunday, Bills, Patriots, 1 o'clock kickoff. The first 1 p.m. game for the Bills since week 7 <laughs> when they last played the Patriots. That was their last 1 o'clock game. Their last 1 o'clock game at home was back in week 4 against the Dolphins. Uh, we have to pivot here. And take a break, because when we come back, it's time for our lunch break. And we'll pass along the details in just a second. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. As we told you before the break, it is time for our lunch break, which, as always, is presented by Snapdragon Apples, the official apple of the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, Steve, it's the holiday season. You may be partaking in a few extra libations. Snapdragon coming through big time today. Yeah, we've got uh, a peanut butter dragon cocktail, along with our charcuterie board featuring Snapdragon Apples. Steve, I'm going to... Tell you, uh, this peanut butter dragon cocktail, it's smooth. It is smooth, man. Uh, Yes, it is. Just so you know, these are really solid New Year's Eve options. You know, you want to come up with something different, a fun drink for your guests. If you're hosting for New Year's Eve, peanut butter dragon cocktail is pretty cool. Got a little whiskey in there. Little peanut yeah. screwball peanut butter screwball whiskey, peanut butter whiskey, along with some Snapdragon apple juice, of course. So it's funny we were talking about screwball peanut butter whiskey because when you're watching the highlights of the Bills Dallas game, <laughs> uh, James Cook's touchdown catch the corner out to the to the scoreboard end away right, on the far right. end. When you're watching it from the end zone, him coming towards you. Screwball is all the way across the, the ribbon. <laughs> it's a huge advertisement. All well, right, so. Essentially, four ounces of Snapdragon apple juice, one ounce of screwball peanut butter whiskey, dash of cinnamon, and then you drop a couple of Snapdragon apple slices in there along with a cinnamon stick. Now, the cool thing that they did was they melted some peanut butter around the rim of the glass and then put some crushed peanuts there with what they call sanding sugar. I think that's a bartender term. Uh, and I, it looks great. You took a sip of it. I took a sip of it. This is smooth. It really is. It's good. It's it's. uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and start drinking. I'm not Howard Cosell here drinking on the air, but we we did taste. It does taste good. It's it's an and it's that kind of year. Um, I don't know about you, but my this time of year between Christmas and New Year's, it's like open bar all the time. Well, that right? and I've already just in the places that I've been around through the course of the last holiday week here, my charcuterie boards everywhere, everywhere like. It's this, happening. It's charcuterie um, season. But so when you've got like all those meats and cheeses on your charcuterie board, if you want to move from like one cheese to the next, the palate cleanser for me is the Snapdragon apple slice. Like yeah. if you have some fruit on the plate, yeah. make it Good Snapdragon stuff. apples because you pop that in your mouth and all of a sudden your palate's clear and you can try the next thing. Because as we know, there are a cornucopia of different cheeses cornucopia. out there. Cornucopia. And meats. So I, I often hope to see like a snapdragon apple slice or something on a charcuterie board just to kind of cleanse the palate a little bit and move on to the next thing because i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm a sampler right. so we had we were at a, a family party during christmas weekend and they had a charcuterie board 
shaped like a Christmas tree. Like right. all the items on the board were shaped like a Christmas oh, tree. Nice. Uh, they did a nice job with that. Well, that's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, so but this thanks is, for that, for the Snapdragon people, for bringing this in for us. It's that's right. Nice so break. as you know, Snapdragon apples available at your local grocery store, including Wegmans. And if you need the recipe for this peanut butter dragon cocktail, you can go to Twitter or X at Snapdragon Apple, all one word, or you can go to snapdragonapple.com to get this recipe. We've also tweeted it out on our Twitter handle, at OneBillsLive. So if you want to come up with a unique drink that maybe nobody else has seen before, try this one because it's, it's smooth, i got to tell you. Like, you don't have to be like a whiskey drinker to drink this. this. This is pretty smooth, so I'd highly recommend it for your New Year's Eve holiday. So try it on for size. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, we do have some phone calls that we have to get to while we're enjoying these uh, items here, courtesy of Snapdragon Apples. And uh, waiting patiently is Butch on the east side. What do you got for us, Butch? You're on One Bills Live. First of all, gentlemen, it's so it's, it's good to talk to you. I definitely got to try that drink. Uh, I'm not going to try it on New Year's, but I am going to try that drink. It looks <laughs> delicious. It looks delicious. Uh, I just wanted to say this, though, to both of you, and I'm really um, serious about this, and I want you all to really uh, – kind of understand what my, my passion is with it. I love Sean McDermott. I really do. As a guy and as a coach. But I do have a problem with him sometimes. He's very friendly to his players. Right now, when I was waiting, I was listening to your update about the players coming back off the, uh, you know, by being hurt and coming back on the roster. Right. Uh, Taylor Rapp has been playing outstanding football for the Buffalo Bills at safety. Uh, when Mike, when, when Michael Hyde went down, uh, and prior to Michael Hyde going down, when every time Taylor Rapp hits the field, plays being made. I really believe that they should just stick with what they have and leave Taylor Rapp out there with Lewis. It's good to have Hyde back, but as far as putting him right back into the, to the lineup, he's a few steps back. He's, he's, he's a little slower than he used to be, just like Poyer is. And Poyer, they move Poyer up in the inbox. Instead of leaving him in the back, they brought him up some so he because he still can make plays, but he doesn't have that speed with those safeties and those. I mean, I'm sorry, with those wide receivers going deep anymore. And right now, this game is very meaningful to the Buffalo Bills. This doing again, along with Miami when we go, and along, along with the playoffs to try to get the Super Bowl ring. Right now is not the time to do my to do a favor for my friend saying, "Well, you're not going to lose your starting lineup because of injury." No, no, no we we passed that right now. I wish that. Same thing I said to you guys a few weeks ago about when Dawson Knox was coming back about Kincaid. I said they're 12 packets. We were going back and forth a little bit. Now you see Kincaid kind of phasing out a little bit. I need, I need, I need my coach, who I love dearly, just to say, listen, you know what? We're trying to win this chip. Listen, you, you're going to get reps in. We're going to go with what we got going right now. And let's get this chip. But now I'm going to put that on the side. This is what I called about. Offensively, and I'm done to thank you so much for taking my call. Offensively, I want I want I want Brady to understand what he really has on offense with Josh Allen. Just go a little no huddle, just like Steve and those guys used to do, just to get the rhythm going. We'll get the pressure going on, on, on New England's defense. Put the points up faster. Just always gonna go back to the huddle. Keep that package where they can't substitute in and just give it to them. That's it. But I love you guys, man. But thanks for the drink. I'm gonna do that. And happy new year to man. Happy New Year to you and your family. I love each and every one of you out there, and I love WGR. Thanks so much for taking my call, guys. All right. Thanks, Butch. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, you know, you've been impressed with Taylor Rapp. That's fair. You're allowed to like who you like. Um, 
I think there's a trust factor with Micah Hyde that naturally runs far deeper than it does with Taylor Rapp. I'm not saying they don't trust Taylor Rapp. I'm just saying there is a foundation there. And time on task in this defense, running things on the back end with Jordan Poyer, disguising things effectively. Um, They have seven years together, and that's not lost on Coach McDermott, and he feels that that can present an advantage for them, especially against a young quarterback who's only making his fifth career start, I believe. So... I think there are hidden advantages there that Coach McDermott sees that he believes can exploit Bailey Zappi for the quarterback that he is, which chief among them is inexperienced. And and to me, that's why you have a guy like Micah Hyde on the field, a veteran player who yeah. knows how to fool young quarterbacks. It's hard to pull off the the what you're asking. You're I, I don't know accusing Sean McDermott of doing as a head coach if you're putting a guy in there who is less capable of winning than the guy that's already in there. Um, if you think – if that defense had gotten better with Taylor Rapp in there, Sean McDermott would be hard-pressed to make a change. Um, if it's a push or if you think that Hyde brings you something that Taylor Rapp doesn't, that's different. Uh, but you're right. If, if, if somebody outside Sean McDermott's headspace – if the rest of the coaching staff, if the players, if anybody over there thought that this was a it was a bad move to make, they McDermott would know about it. Um, they don't make changes like this just because. Yeah. And the old adage, and it, back in the old days, it's like, well, you never lose your starting position because of injury. Yeah, please, that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. It, may, it used to be true, and on some teams, it may still be true, but that is not how it work. It should work. Best guy plays, and if if this guy comes off the bench when you pull the hammy and all of a sudden the defense is playing lights out and he's playing all pro level, you don't get to go back in just because your hamstring gets healthy. That's the way it works. So when they make these moves, it's thought out on a lot of levels, not just because he was hurt and now he's healthy. Yeah. We've got to take a break here because hour number two – We'll begin with Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. We'll talk X's and O's with him on Bill's Patriots when we return. Here on One Bill's Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bill's Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And joined now, as we are every week, by senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show, and Greg Cosell's appearance on the show, presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Greg, uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Uh, we're coming down the stretch here. Bills have won three straight. They got two more to put yeah. in the bucket. Um, and they've got a Patriots team that surprised them back in week seven. But as we know, a lot has changed with this Patriots roster and not just at quarterback. 
Uh, and Ramondre Stevenson even goes on IR this week, so he is officially done for the season. And even though Bailey Zappi has probably bought, brought some functionality to this Patriot <laughs> to this Patriots offense, they are they are still last in the league in scoring. I know they've won two of their last three, but this this seems like a a winnable game for the Bills if they just take care of their own business. I would I would think so. Despite the Bailey Zappi experience, I would agree. Um, you know, the Patriots offensively, uh, Zappi, you know, he's a timing rhythm guy. Um, he, he made, you know, he'll, he'll throw the ball. He's actually a pretty aggressive thrower, um, when he sees it. Uh, but you know, he's certainly not a big time arm talent, but he will throw it and you have to be careful. Um, he made a great throw last week. It's probably his best throw last week was versus um believe believe it was cover two. Um and it was to the to the outside, but in the outside void. But he can you know, and he's got some mobility to him as well. That's the other thing you have to be careful about. He does have some functional mobility to him. Um, you know, here you're seeing it here. This is the touchdown to Gasecki, which, you know, you see the movement. He can do that. Uh, but you'd be hard pressed to believe that this team offensively would put up a lot of points. So the question is, and you know, remember last week we talked about the bills and their offense and they only put up, uh, um, you know, what was it? What was the final last 24? 24, they put up 24. Yeah. 24. But I mean, it was a little bit of a struggle early as it always seems to be for the, for the bills. What, what is, is athleticism the only difference or the biggest difference that Zappi brings to the offense over Mac Jones? Um, the only difference, I, I would say to me, again, you know, I'm not there in the building, so I don't know how they all see it. I, I, I think that he's a little more aggressive as a thrower. Um, I think there are some balls he'll turn loose that I'm not sure that, uh, that Mac Jones would. So I think, you know, you want to be careful about that. Um, you know, and, and I think, I, I just think that he, he's more willing to make some tougher throws. Uh, you know, he does see things well. He gets the ball out effectively in the short and short to intermediate areas. Um, he can make timing fade uh, and, and seen throws. Um, as I said, he can hit the outside void in, in cover two. Um, he'll certainly throw fades when it's one-on-one coverage. He, you know, he hit, uh, he threw a couple last week against Patrick Sertan, who arguably is the best corner in the game. So, you know, he's willing to be aggressive throwing the football. Flipping it over to the defensive side, Greg, we know that Belichick and his defensive staff like to use players in a position fluid type of way, not at every position, but at some. And I was struck by, how much Miles Bryant was getting moved around. I mean, he played nickel yeah. corner. He played outside corner. He lined up at safety. safety. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I, and I know they had some injuries at the safety position, uh, sure. and, and there are a couple of guys still on the injury report today for them at that spot. Um, I, and and maybe it's a byproduct of them being a little thin back there as well. W- what did you see that that suddenly has made Miles Bryant this this versatile chess piece for them? Well, it, um, Brownie, he's been doing that somewhat all season long. This is not just recent. Um, he's played, you know, at his core, he's their slot corner. Right. At, at his core. Um, but they do play him depending on personnel, depending on what the coverage call may be. They do play him at safety. So this is not something new. Um, you know, they also play the rookie. Um, 
uh, Mapu at at safety and, and kind of linebacker right. as well. They do people around quite a bit. And uh, our old friend, the the former uh, Bills draft choice, Alex Austin, Austin is yeah. you know played a ton of right corner last week for them. So right. um, you know, particularly in, in dime. I mean, um, and he he played a lot in nickel as well because Sean Wade got hurt. And and I I remember liking Austin when he came out of college, Oregon State, I believe. And I think I even told you guys I thought he had an NFL skill set. And and obviously he's getting a chance to play in the league. He's got length. Uh, I, I would assume he's going to play this week, depending on all their injuries. Um, you know, Jabril Peppers got hurt last week, and I think it's yep. a hamstring. So I would think he's not likely to play. Right. And you look at this defense. It's continued to play really well even with all these injuries yep. going on offensively they've had a lot less injuries and they still can't get it together why is it that and a lot of people point to their roster and say they don't have enough good players how can a team uh, miss on one side of the ball with their personnel decisions and hit so well on their other side of the ball with their personnel decisions is that the way you so see you're it talking about their you're talking about their offense now? Yeah, I'm talking about both sides of the ball. Their offense, they don't yeah. seem to have any players good enough to play. No. And, and then and I mean, on defense, they don't have anybody good enough to play, but they can they play no matter who plugs in. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. Um, you know, offensively, I think it, in some ways it starts up front. I mean, you know, look, if you look at who they played last week, and, and a lot of these guys have played all year, so it wasn't just last week against Denver, by the way. But, I mean, they sort of rotated at left tackle with Brown, who's been in the league a long time, and then Lowe, who is, I believe, a second-year player out of Illinois. Then at left uh, at, at, at left guard, they had Ferenc, who, who uh, played four snaps and was replaced by Mafi. Andrews has been the starting center for years. Um Sal is at right guard. He's a rookie. Uh, uh, on when use the right tackle, he's been around. But it's not a really good O-line. I mean, it's tough to play in this league when your O-line is not particularly good. And I think that's shown up quite a bit this year. You know, no matter what else you have, Steve, you know this. If your O-line can't play real well, it's hard to run any kind of meaningful offense. Right. Looking uh, at that defensive front, though, the combination of Godshaw and Barmore was very effective last Ooh. week. And, you know, they're yeah. number one in the league in yards per carry against, number two in yeah. the league in run defense. Um, is this an example of you better get to the edges because running between the tackles is simply not going to happen against this group? Uh, they're not. They're really good. I mean, Gottshaw is someone I noticed a couple of years ago, and I said, wow, this guy's a really good player. And Barmore, of course, came out of Alabama. He was a high draft choice. Um, they have some good players, even with, obviously, Matthew Judon out, essentially, for the year. You know, Keon White has had some really good snaps, good reps, um, and he's the rookie from Georgia Tech. Uh, Wise has always been a really, really good player. Um, so they're still really good up front. I mean, you know, essentially a linebacker, too. They've been playing the same two guys just about all season in Bentley and Jelani Tavai, and they are good players, too. And then they bring in Mac Wilson, depending on, you know, the situation, and he's a solid player. Um, it's really on the back end where they've had to work through injuries and they've had some struggles. But, but uh, Brownie, I think that front group is a solid, solid group, and they are not easy to run against, as you said, certainly between the tackles. Has anybody had any 
sustain success against this defense? It seems like from from series to series they adjust as well as any defense in the league as oh, well. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. yeah, give us an idea about what teams have done that has been successful against the Patriots because they haven't won very many games. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, to me, what I think you have to do um, is I think you've got to work outside in the pass game. I don't think their corners are very good. Um, you know, Jonathan Jones is playing outside simply because they have had so many injuries. And to me, he's a slot corner. Um, you know, Wade's been playing. He got hurt. Now it's Austin. Um, you know, at, at times, Brian may go out there. You know, I think they're, I think this is a team – that you can attack in the pass game on the outside. I think that is their their weakness. And and again, obviously, you, you always have to protect, but I think that's the area where you feel when you look at this defense. And again, I hope people understand I'm not saying you throw it every time. That's not my point. You know, you, you don't do one thing every time, no matter what the opponent's weakness is. But I do believe that they, they can work effectively on the outside in this game, and I think that's what they need to do. It's been about five games now, Greg, that Joe Brady has been the offensive coordinator here in Buffalo. It's, it's still a small sample size, but I'm curious for your impressions of what he has done to maybe diversify the attack. Uh, it seems like every week a different player is stepping up and contributing uh, in a big way. Gabe Davis last week, James Cook the week before. And, you know, I we kind of think that Brady does a good job of attacking the matchup weakness of the opponent uh, each and every week. I, I'm, I'm curious for your impressions on what Brady has done for, for this offense here the last five games. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some obvious things. You know, certainly there's been a commitment to running the ball. There's been a commitment to getting James Cook involved more in the pass game. Um, you know, I still think though, Brownie, they're struggling to generate explosive plays in the pass game. I'm talking about by design. I mean, we know that Josh Allen can make plays. Um, but, you know, even when he makes plays, like when he had that 57-yard touchdown last week to Davis, I mean, he he really had a throw within the structure of the, of the play call, and obviously the result turned out to be great. Um, you know, so I still think overall they're struggling to generate explosive plays. I think that needs to be the next step, doing that through design and structure. It's been kind of an issue through much of the season. Um, so we'll see how they attempt to do that this week. Uh, you know, because when you play teams, you're better than we talked about this last week, and the game played out exactly that way. I mean, look, if it wasn't for Josh making a Josh play to getting the ball to Shakir versus that blitz late in the game, they may lose that game. And, you know, we talked about the fact that you can't keep bad teams hanging around. So, you know, I just would like to see, and, and maybe this is the next step, maybe they're working toward this because Joe Brady obviously has only been doing it for five games, but I, I'd like to see some more explosive plays by design through orchestration in the pass game. Yeah, and certainly when you look at the top guys, it, Mahomes can do it off script, Lamar does it off script, Josh certainly does it off script, and while it's great, you really need him to stand in the pocket and make throws. Yeah. And and ultimately, when you get into the playoffs, isn't that really what wins? I mean, certainly those hand, you may need a handful or less than a handful of off-the-script plays. But ultimately, in, in this league, it's about a guy making the throws from the pocket. Yeah, and, and I think, look, 
you know, if we're being honest, and I'm being honest because I watch the tape, and I've and, and every summer I watch Josh Allen as as I've probably told you guys, I pick nine or ten quarterbacks that I watch about 250 dropbacks, and Josh Allen I do every year because I enjoy watching him play. But I think the the one area that he clearly needs to continue to improve is he does leave the pocket prematurely. And I think that he's a part of the fact that sometimes those explosive plays don't get made because he he does leave the pocket prematurely and doesn't allow the plays to develop. So, you know, I think that's something that they need to work on as well. And, and ideally they are, and ideally he understands that as well. Um, but you know, that's really kind of the next step. And and by the way, he's done this in his career, which is why I find it so interesting. You know, he's had stretches where he's stood in the pocket and, and made unbelievable throws, which, you know, as I've said many times, he's the most physically gifted quarterback in the league. To me, that's not even a question. But, you know, I think he's part of that equation. He's got to stand there, let the offense work for him. Instead, I guess the way to say it, let the offense work for him instead of he being the offense. You know, and those are two different things. Yeah, no, totally get it. Greg, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a happy new year. We'll catch up with you next week. Look forward to it, guys. Uh, hope you guys get a little time off. Uh, you know me. I'll, I'll be here on Monday grinding away. Oh, there we, you go. we got a show on Monday. We're working, too. We'll be there. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. That makes me feel better. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Take care, Greg. That's Greg Cosell right, joining us here, as he does every Friday, uh, breaking down the X's and O's for Patriots and bills we have to transition now though to collision course which is brought to you by gabe's collision gabe's collision the official auto collision repair center of the buffalo bills get back in the game and the collision course is the guy that we already mentioned it's that patriots defensive tackle christian barmore against buffalo's offensive line and he is coming off a whale of a game last week he had three sacks in the Week 16 win over the Broncos in Denver, has eight and a half sacks on the season now and really has that push up the middle. And and we've seen it all year, Steve. This is a Bills offensive line, particularly from guard to guard, that has done an excellent job of maintaining the integrity of the pocket to let Josh step up in the pocket and make a throw when maybe pressure is coming from the edges. That might be a challenge this week. This is, I think, a game where McGovern and Torrance – the guards and Mitch Morris uh, earn it. Uh, Barmore is a big dude who's really athletic. Um, he acts, absolutely ran circles around the Broncos last week and has been doing it all season. Um, they've got to get a handle on where he is and stop him. Um, and it's not just him. Devin, Devon Godchow is, yeah. is also a guy who is uh, really tough down inside. Those two guys are the reason – or the main reason that the New England Patriots are good against the run, really good. Um, it's a huge test for the interior of the Bills' offensive line. We'll see if they're up to it. Right, and they faced some formidable defensive interiors before. Um, you know, they they faced this group back in Week Seven, and were right. still able to score twenty five points. I think they want to get off to a better start this week than they certainly did in Week Seven, where they kind of muddled their way through the first half before they caught fire on offense. So, obviously, a faster start. It would behoove them to do that. Uh, and then maybe, you know, you don't you don't have to play into their hands necessarily if you have to drop back and pass to, God forbid, climb back into a football game. Because before they knew it, they were down 10 nothing against New England, and they had right. to throw more. Right. Um, 
yeah, turning the ball over is, you know, playing that complimentary football is going to be huge. But uh, you do need Josh and this offense to score some points to put some pressure on the on the Patriots to get out and do something other than um, kind of scheme scheme their way down the field. So we'll see. Uh, the, the defensive front for the Patriots, I think, is the engine of their whole team. Now, certainly, there's only so much a defensive front can do, even if it's dominant, because their back end has got – they're like into cornerback number eight or something like that on the year. I mean, they've had a ton of guys. They just – they got guys on their depth chart that were on other teams uh, four days ago. Yeah. So, that's been that kind of year for them. But they have continued to play extremely well, and it starts down inside – with their inability to run, team's inabilities to run the football against them. We have to go from collision course now to tailgate Friday, which is presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. Let's see what you've got on the menu this week for the last regular season home tailgate of the year. And uh, the last day of the year, the calendar year, that you'll yeah. be doing a tailgate as well. Elizabeth leads us off with going back to basics, beef on weck, Clam dip with Frank's hot sauce and veggies slash bugles, cranberry bread pudding and cheesecake. Oh, a little holiday flair there. Mm. Choice of Bloody Mary or whiskey sour. Steve, I got to tell you, I am a big fan of putting hot sauce on seafood. Do you do that oh, much? Yeah. Frank's is. I do it all the time. Yeah. I, yeah. It, yeah. Go, it goes on everything. Right. Yeah. So. I, I am all for that. And it, yeah, um, it's not just Frank's, but, yeah, I love hot sauce on just about everything. Um, it It's a winner. Yeah, it is. Jack uh, on Tailgate Friday says, In the lot this week, my cousin is making some clam chowder, and I'm grilling up Italian sausage A-bombs, that spicy sausage patties with grilled onion, hot peppers, mozzarella, and hot sauce. That sounds good, man. Oh. Mm-hmm. Do you know what clam chowder does on a cold day? It just warms your insides. That's good. It's so uh, good. I'll say this. We had this. Uh, we did the same thing at one of the tailgates I was at in one of the subsequent games was uh, the spicy Italian sausage with the patties. Yeah, yeah. And and just do them like a burger. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So good. That's what Jack's doing. He's so, grilling so some onions, good. hot peppers, mozzarella, my and gosh. hot sauce on top. He said, can't forget the pretzels and cream ale. I'm currently looking for a ticket. If anybody has an extra, <laughs> they can find Jack on Twitter out there. Uh, meanwhile, Epp says, smoked corned beef braised in Guinness with smoked sauerkraut. I have never had smoked sauerkraut. I am intrigued. Not only putting together Rubens, but also Reuben egg rolls. What? Plus a stogie for dessert. Go Bills. Oh, that's right there up Steve's go. alley. Reuben egg rolls. That, yeah. is, that is fascinating. Because I like egg rolls, and the Reuben is my number one yeah. grilled sandwich. Yeah, Put those two together, that's heaven. Good for you. Heaven on an egg roll. Heaven that is, on an egg roll. I have never had smoked sauerkraut, <laughs> though. I'm curious as to what that would taste like. You know, we always get the sauerkraut right out of the yeah. bowl, and you throw it on a hot exactly. dog. I've never had smoked sauerkraut. I'm curious as to what that would taste like. And the, and the corned beef braised in Guinness. Yeah. That's kinda- How about that? Yeah, that's good stuff. Well done. I love the creativity, too, the stuff you've never heard about, and it's just unique recipes. It's fun. All right, so good job, everybody, for Tailgate Friday, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. 
Got to take a break here because when we come back, our legend of the game will join us in studio. Lorenzo Alexander. It's like a lowdown reunion here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, happy to be joined at this time by this week's legend of the game. Perhaps you've heard of him. It's Lorenzo Alexander. And the legend of the game is presented by the BFLO Store, the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. Come meet Lorenzo at a signing at the BFLO Store in Williamsville on Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. You can enter to win a $250 BFLO Store gift card and a football Signed by Zoe, just enter at buffalobills.com slash B-F-L-O. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You get the whole crew in this weekend, huh? Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you as well, fellas. It's good to be back in studio. Yeah, Yeah, back in Buffalo. Um... Brought a little sunshine. It's not snowing, so that's a positive for me coming from right, Phoenix. Right, yeah, <laughs> it was 55 yeah, on Christmas I know, Day here. Right? Yeah, so uh, you, you need a break, break from that sunshine, man. Take no, that. actually, it's hard to get up this morning. I need, my, I need it. I yeah. need it. It's, it's part of me now. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I did bring the whole crew, wife, uh, my three youngest children, Zoe, Mason, and Miles. And so they're how old are they? So Zoe's a sophomore now. She's okay. 15. So they have clear memories of Buffalo. Oh, anyway. yeah, yeah, so yeah. All three of them. Yeah, Zoe once and... didn't want to leave. She okay, wanted Daddy yeah. to play a couple more right. years and continue to break myself down. Right, <laughs> so right, right, you right. ask her, she's still mad about that. At, I don't care if you're crippled at 40. Yeah, I don't care. I like Just Buffalo. play. I want to stay in Buffalo. But Daughters she loves it. tough, man. She man. loves it. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that was because she's older. And so like a lot of the a lot of the lot my younger teammates, we were just talking about this last night, were more closer to her, more her peer group. So they felt like older brothers, especially right. like Deion Dawkins. Like yeah, yeah. they talk all the time. She brought him, him cookies, right? So it's more like a, a brother, big brother type of right. feel. Yeah, so yeah, she yeah. didn't want to leave. Mason um, is 13, real good athlete, good student. Uh, so he's back, um, loving life, doing doing things well and then my baby is uh nine miles and so he remembers it as well not as much as those other yeah, two right um but he you know they all have friends and getting together and hanging out um especially with the mcdermott's and the babbages and kind of hanging out with that group that my wife was really close to as well yeah yeah we've uh you know we've got uh a pass rusher who finally got a double digit sack season since you were the last guy oh, to do okay. it here all right i'm in glad 2016 <laughs> well no i mean they haven't got 12 and a half right yeah but leonard floyd's got 10 and a half Good. with two games to play here he's put a nice season together kind of as a free agent signee right. although you know he was a late signee in june yeah but he's been a huge boon to the pass rush here and you know really kind of balanced it out especially with vaughn you know coming yeah, back yeah. from the knee injury mm-hmm. and doing that so I don't know. I, I don't know how many games you've caught, but they've been doing pretty good up front. Yeah, I've been watching um, my fair share. You know, it's kind of hard because I have the kids, as I just mentioned, and I coach mm-hmm. them in everything. We do flag, we do baseball, basketball, and so I miss some of the games. And people are like, you're not watching? Like, no, nah, this is my game now. I'm gone, yeah, right? Yeah, I've transitioned. Got, yeah. One of the cool things, I do have an iPad, so I get to go back and watch the games. Um, and I catch right. some of the bigger games, too. So I got to see last week, you know, like Ed go out there and ball out, mm-hmm. pass from the inside. And, um, and so in, in keeping up with uh, T-Dot, right, Matt, before he got hurt, um, I was out in London and catching some of those guys that I played with, Mike. I, so I try to keep up and try to see what guys are doing out there and how well they're playing or where they can grow at. And so that's always fun to, from a perspective when I got to play with these guys and you see how they're growing and maturing. And now yeah. a lot of these guys are old, old men, you know, right, for the NFL leaders and kind of running the show. And so it's really cool to watch that as a guy that had a little smart part 
in some of these guys' process. We've got this. We got this team. We got to six and six, which is a little surprising because they had those close losses. Mm-hmm. A couple of games were, you know, they shouldn't have lost. Right, like two, let's say. Yep. But anyway, yep. they're six and six, and they got all right. Here we go. We got to win five games at the end of the season yeah. to get it. You were there a couple of times, and right, yeah, and they got in in ninety in in eighteen, but seven seventeen, right. But for a long time, you never made it because it's a long <laughs> right. stretch. Like I'm yeah, telling you, it's hard to win. Yeah, win it's in hard this to win a stretch of games. That. Even in the you know, I was doing some radio, um, and they were talking about like the Chargers are coming up and they're not good. They just fired their coach. I said, hey, first of all, if you got that mindset, right? You're going to probably lose the game anyway because mm-hmm. you don't realize how hard it is to win in this league regardless of all of the drama that's going around your opponent, right? Mm-hmm. You always have to show up, and we saw the Chargers come out and play a solid game and play well. Obviously, that was a game that the Bills were able to finish off and find a way to win, mm-hmm. which early on to your point, right. they were finding ways or not making the plays to get over that hump. And so it's really good to be able to do that in December um, as you kind of rev up to be playing your best football right now. And right now, what, six wild card and having an opportunity to go to the playoffs, playing your good football and figuring out ways to win these close ones because all the games, for the most part, are going to be one one score games when it comes down to the fourth quarter. Yeah, right? I mean you, you saw because you were there. You were in London in week five, and you know you got starters going down. Yeah. Matt, yep. Daquan, and right. the week before they had lost Tre'Davious right. for the year. Those aren't just like right. three role players in your <laughs> right. defense. No, Those no, are like no. all pro caliber players that they all lost in the span of two games, mm-hmm. and it took them a while to kind of recalibrate. Yeah. with the people that had to fill those voids. Do you feel like? This defense has now successfully recalibrated after trying to adjust to three sizable yeah. losses to their starting lineup. Yeah, I think so. And then you've had Micah go in and out as well where you have to have some safety play yeah. come in, right? So it, there's been some injury bugs on this on this roster on the defensive side where you're trying to find spots, especially at that linebacker position when you lose, right? Obviously Tremaine wasn't here at all. You Him and then Matt Milano goes out, right? Essentially two Pro Bowl, all pro caliber players, and then you have to figure it out with some younger guys. Um, I really like what uh, Tyrell Dotson's been able to do, come in and learn both spots and play both spots really at a high level, right? And um, and then Dorian came in, was trying to figure it out. Still a young player is going to develop, I think, in a couple of years mm-hmm. and be a guy that you can really lean on. But it takes some time, and especially up front when you when you talk about Daquan losing him and then a shutdown corner on the outside. <laughs> When you talk about like key components of a defense, right down a shutdown corner and playing up front, that's where the games are won really now. It's really hard to overcome that initially. You have to figure out, you putting guys in, or does he fit here? Does this scheme work for him? Do we have to change some things for this player's skill set versus maybe a Matt Milano who can do everything so it really doesn't matter what we're doing? And it takes some time from a coordinator standpoint and a player's standpoint to figure out where your rhythm is, how can I operate at a high level and execute? And I, I do feel like they've turned that corner um, and they're moving in the right direction with that. So what's on your schedule now? you got to get a day off tomorrow? you going to do a signing or something Yeah, tomorrow? a signing. My wife is trying to go skiing. You know, now that I'm not playing, I can do those type of things. Got a chance mm-hmm. to ski for the first time last year. I know it hasn't been a ton of snow. I know it's supposed to snow, hopefully, so we may go do that in the morning. Um, and then just kind of hang out, hitting up all our good restaurants. You know, we went to Kalina's, went to Rick's on Main, uh, trying to get over to, to, to the Grange Community Kitchen. Yeah, and just yeah. some of those, the spots that we just yeah, enjoyed yeah. when we were here. Yeah. So. I had to make sure that I ate good, right, as far as healthy before I got out here because I knew I was going to hit about you know, <laughs> 10 different spots. Off the wagon. <laughs> and just go, and go hard, right? And Bar Bills is going to be one of them, too, actually staying near there in East Aurora. So oh, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's fun, man. I really love coming back and catching up with folks. Uh, mm-hmm. One other thing, you know, Coach McDermott obviously took over play calling duties for mm-hmm. the defensive side of the ball. 
you mentioned how the defense had to adjust and do different things, fit guys differently. You know, with Milano out, you know, uh, Terrell Bernard's done a great job of running this defense this year at the middle linebacker mm-hmm. spot, replacing Tremaine. But then Coach makes a change and goes with more dime package, brings Taylor Rapp onto the field, right. you know, takes a linebacker out for better coverage on passing downs. Just some of the things that you've seen from Coach McDermott from a defensive play calling perspective where you right. said, oh, you know what, that is a good idea. Oh, I like what he's doing there, like those kinds of things. Yeah, I think as a coach, the one thing I've always – appreciated about Sean it wasn't about doing it his way or his scheme but figuring out what's the best thing that we can do and operate with the players that he has right and how can we go out there and put the best product on the field maybe not what I'm maybe comfortable with because if you ask him he probably doesn't want to necessarily have to play dime but if that is going to give you the best opportunity if that's what your personnel is saying we need to do you're going to go out there and do it and that's what I've and I've loved because when I was here it looked much different right because I'm I'm not going to cover a whole bunch of people so we have to figure out different ways to utilize my skill set and now he's doing that same thing with his personnel and so that's what I've always respected about him and when you look around the league when you see high-end coaches and you know hate to mention his name but Bill Belichick did this for years right he uses his personnel in a way to to really highlight their strengths and Sean is doing that same exact thing and you figure out ways to 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 mend things make things better and when you have young guys come in or guys go down like a mat you have to get creative with your personnel group to match up with how people are attacking you and that's what he's doing we've talked a lot about the difference in this season's defense as opposed to when it was under Leslie or when it was in years past Mm -hmm. and one of the things that this defense has been better at is splash plays yeah. Uh, they were solid, very solid, tough to move the ball against it, but they rarely got big, timely plays. And because of McDermott's play calling and, I think, aggression yeah. at certain key points, that has changed dramatically. Yeah, that's great. I, and I know that was something that he always wanted more of, right? That's his personality, you know, being mm-hmm. a wrestler, being a safe. He likes being <laughs> aggressive and dialing things up and really uh, – Pushing the issue with, with the opponent, right? A lot of people like to sit back, play coverage, don't let anything get beat, right? That's all fine and dandy. But at some point, let's be the aggressors and force them into some mistakes as well. And I think, you know, obviously with his personality, is a little bit different than what Leslie was. Neither is better, but I think that's what your team starts to become. And then I also will say this, you know, um, Bobby Babbage, who's moved to the linebacker core, yeah. right? Helping those young guys understand how to fit like the passing and route concepts a lot better, right? That allows you to make a quarterback throw the ball a little bit more air on it so you get an interception. Or maybe those linebackers are getting picks and getting their hands on balls and just in a better position. And, of course, as guys get older, um, we think about like a Taron Johnson, guys that are always around the ball. They just have that much more experience that they're going to put themselves in a position to make those splash plays versus reacting when you have a young guy out there who may not quite understand what's going on around him. And and Coach Babbage probably deserves some credit for this, but – when you think about the fact that Terrell Bernard got limited time on the field as a rookie on defense, yeah. then missed the entire preseason game schedule with a hamstring injury, yep. and then gets plugged in week one and has done the job that he has done. And I, I don't know about you, Lorenzo, you could probably speak to it better than I can, but he just comes across as such an instinctive player. Like an, He's an anticipatory player, right? maybe more than anything else. Just speak to what you've seen from yeah, him and, this and I think, again, to your point, a lot of that comes from Bobby Babbage and what he's been able to take from you know being with Micah and Jordan in the back end and bringing that aspect as a linebacker, like really understanding how what, offensive sets, what do they look like, what are the, the top route concepts you're going to get out of those, those type of things, and 
then communicate it in a way where his players understand, receive it, and retain it, and then are able to go out there and play at a high level. And I think that is has been a, a real good key for a young linebacker, really group overall, to have a guy that has that type of in, that has that type of knowledge in Bobby Babbage that has been around the DBs to now bring that to you because. This game has changed so much, and, and to be able to have linebacker coaches, to be able to teach linebackers those route concepts so we can get in passing lanes, we can knock balls down, make quarterbacks put air on the ball, is probably a little bit behind, I think, across the board in the league because it is such a new thing. And so you get linebackers that haven't typically had to really understand that at a high level, right. and he's really right. helped that that transformation and having these linebackers almost become pseudo pseudo DBs in a league that we play in with a lot of passes. Have games. they started to get them? It seems to me now players are coming out more polished in that because of the because of the high level of yeah. passing offenses in the in the college. Yeah, well, you see it all the time. Yeah. But I still think the you know from a coaching aspect and really understanding the why behind it, I think mm-hmm. Bobby does a great job there, of making them understand that, and then also never really getting away from because you know Bob Babbage is his dad. That was the linebacker mm-hmm. coach that I had. Never getting away from being able to use your hands, being aggressive when the run occurs. Because if we think about what has really been kind of like the Achilles heel of this defense over the last two or three years, it's been able to stop the run in January in the playoffs when it's cold outside and people are going to pound it, right, and still having the ability to not only stop the pass but when come down and be able to stop the run as well, which I think they've done a much better job, I think, just that front seven this year as well. Yeah, and with Daquan Jones coming back this week from IR, might be even looking better against this Patriots team. Thanks for the time stopping by, Lorenzo. Good luck on Sunday, getting everybody amped up. Always. You know, I yeah. love that part. I, I, got faith <laughs> I got faith in you. I, don't, I never had a doubt, for sure. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, this week's legend of the game, so look for him right before kickoff down in that corner, down at the tunnel end. He'll be getting you amped up. And come meet Lorenzo at the signing at the BFLO store in Williamsville, Saturday, 1 to 2 p.m. You can also enter to win a $250 BFLO store gift card. You can just enter at buffalobills.com slash BFLO. We take a break. Steve and I close things up for the week. When we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Time for Vision to Victory, presented by Atwall Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. See the 716 more clearly with Atwall Eye Care, your complete eye care provider and the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. Schedule a consultation at atwalleye.com to learn more about the new vision correction options they have available. All right, Steve, what do you got? Vision to victory right, for the I, Bills over the Patriots week 17. I, I think the Bills' run game is for real. I think the Pats', Pats run defense is for real, but you got to make them prove it. Um, I think you got to try and go at them and use some play action off of that. Um, I think you got to get Josh outside the pocket, let him run for four or five yards and slide, use him in the running game in that, in that way. Get Josh out of the pocket, let him run, let him run, take positive plays. Do not turn the football over. Um, and stay on the field offensively, and you win this game. For me, on offense, get the athletes in space. James Cook, receivers, get those guys out in space where they can maximize yards after the catch, and I think they can out-athlete the back seven 
for this Patriots defense. That's, that's what has to happen on offense, I believe. And then defensively, I think it's two things. One, neutralize Ezekiel Elliott. He is clearly the engine of that offense right now. Mm-hmm. He is leading the team in receptions, and he is their feature running back with Ramondre Stevenson now on injured reserve. You neutralize him, you put the game all on Bailey Zappi, and so then part two of that equation becomes muddy the looks. And with Micah Hyde back, I'm confident that he and Poyer can really orchestrate that and muddy the pre-snap to post-snap looks for Zappi so he does not know what he's looking at. They did an excellent job of that in the Cowboys game. Dak Prescott was back there patting the ball. He had no confidence in what he was looking at. You duplicate that against this young quarterback, Bailey Zappley. I think you, uh, I think you go a long way to putting yourself in position to win this football game comfortably. Comfortably, comfortably? please? Am I asking too much? I'd like well, that a was comfortable the thing last win. week. I mean, they gave us a Christmas present. Right? I told Maddie in the post game it was wrapped horribly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it was great, a great win, and they've they've got three in a row. They we needed five in a row. This is number four. Just go one and zero this week. Find a way to win. Uh, it would be nice if we got up ten nothing on this team instead of vice versa, and not throwing a pick on the first possession. Uh, that would be nice. But somehow, some way, scratch, claw, fight your way to a win. Yeah, and you know they've won three in a row now. They did that one other time this season between weeks two and four. We know they got to win two more here to really kind of put themselves in prime playoff position. And I am putting you completely in charge, Steve, on Sunday of scoreboard watching. I need you I will do that. to keep tabs on Ravens-Dolphins I'll have the, the Ravens-Dolphins game on, on, my, on my laptop, and we're gonna be more, I'm going to be sitting pretty. Yeah. Okay. You I, I need will. you on top of that. Like, I, I'll get. I'll do it. I just, you know, yeah. No bet. Just don't ask me to come down and talk into your microphone. No, no, I'm not looking for that. Not looking for that. Maybe a text <laughs> here or there. That would be great. Have a great weekend, man. Yeah. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Steve and I will be back here on New Year's Day for a three-hour program, noon to three. We'll see you then.